We're going to be talking about porneia in the Bible. Two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the theological implications. Now we're looking at practical applications. But before we get into that, let's look at our sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> that's all I got. That's 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 the only hype intro. Josh, take it away. Start oh, talking shit. about practical steps. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Thanks for the intro, Justin. Problem. Uh, so, uh, you'll notice the absence of uh, Andrew tonight. He is—he uh, triple booked himself and had to go with the other two bookings over this one. So, he won't be here. So, I'm flying solo. So, probably going to be a little shorter than normal unless someone tries to fight me at the end about anything, I guess. That seems to be happening every week. Um but yeah, so I want to start by just reading some Bible passages, too, specifically pertaining to the topic, remind us about uh, what we covered two weeks ago, and then move into some practical steps uh, that if you are stuck in this particular sin, you can begin taking starting today. Uh, to help you fight the good fight against sin that seeks to destroy your soul. So, uh, on that note, this is First Thessalonians chapter 4. I believe I read it last time. If I didn't, I should have. Uh, and it goes like this. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body, his own body, in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Strong words from the Apostle Paul on the subject. And I did not read this text last time. It's a very common text used when talking about the topic, but I think it deserves a reading. Um, flip to it here. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30. And these are the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So you might listen to that and hear it and say, who is sufficient for these things? Who could possibly pull that off? And the answer is that you can't. And that's why you need Christ. 
Jesus ups the ante in the Sermon on the Mount for the exact purpose of demonstrating to you your utter inability to keep the law of God so that you will see your absolute need for him. His life, his death, his atonement, his sacrifice, his forgiveness that he brings, the justification that can be yours through faith in, in him. That's the point. However, he calls you to live a radical life of holiness, to take these extreme measures. Now, does that mean to cut your hand off or gouge your eye out? No, it doesn't. Because the problem, as we talked about last time, is not with your eye and your hand, but with your heart. You need a new one. And you can't do spiritual heart surgery on yourself. Only God can. So, step one. Remember, the goal is holiness before God. Remember that you are called to take radical steps to put your sin to death. So the first thing you need to do is to identify your heart condition. Identify your heart condition. Are you regenerate? That's a difficult thing to uh, determine simply by inward examination. Uh, has God given you a new heart? Here's the simple question. Do you have any amount of genuine faith in and love for Christ? If so, regeneration, you, you can soundly assume that God's given you a new heart. Now, that new heart comes with it, all of the callings to holiness that I read to you from 1 Thessalonians 4. It also comes with the Holy Spirit who uh, he is there to continue his miraculous work of regeneration on your heart over the course of your life. So I, I, like God said, says through Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4 that it is God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. That's how he concludes that section uh, to remind you that you are not alone in your fight against your sin. You would never win if you were. So identify your heart condition. How can I do that? Well, your heart is designed to worship. The heart is, to remind us, the center of who you are. In the Bible, the heart is not the seat of the emotions only, but the seat of your core identity. It is who you are. It is mind, the affections, the will. All of these things are wrapped up in what the Bible calls the heart. And so when God renews the heart, he renews every part of you over this life. But your heart is prone to wander as the old hymn goes, prone to wander. And so there's some questions that we can ask ourselves to try to identify the heart condition that is leading us into this kind of sin. These questions come from a book called Peacemaker by a fellow named Ken Sandy. These are being quoted in another book called Gospel Treason by a fellow named Brad Bigney. So we've got some uh, bookception going on. These are diagnostic questions to help you find the idols of your heart, to figure out what is it that I am seeking after? What is it that I desire above God, before God? What is it that I am worshiping 
that is not God that is manifesting itself in these other sins in my life. As we talked about last time, it is idols of the heart that produce these kinds of sins. And that if you only attack the symptom, it will just crop back up in other areas of your life. So here's some diagnostic questions. The first one is, what am I willing to sin to get? So in our case study here of, of pornography, uh, are you willing to sin, use pornography, to get something else? Is it pleasure you're looking for? Is it uh, some kind of stability, uh, a habitual stability that you're trying to create, something that you have control over in your life because you feel like your life's spinning out of control? Uh, what is it that you are looking for in the uses of the pornography? Is it purely pleasure? It might be. But you're looking for something. You're trying to grab your idol. And in, in your devotion to your idol, you are sinning to try to get to it, to try to appease it, to worship it. Uh, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish with it, that's the first question. What am I willing to sin to get? And, and and trace this through the rest of your life. Don't just focus on the pornography. Are there other areas of your life where you sin consistently? Are you constantly fearful, anxious, angry? Ask the question, what, what causes, or not causes, that is the idol. Well, yeah, that is the question. What, what am I worshiping that's driving me to those sins? They might end up being the same thing. And so it might be the case that you uncover this idol, you'd, Devote it to utter destruction, and suddenly a lot of sins begin to fall away from your life that were deeply entrenched. Uh, let's see. So the other questions they have are actually uh, interpersonal questions. So um, the, the main one really is, is this. Um, they have other ones. Why am I punishing this person? Why am I demanding? Why am I expecting so much? Why do I have this conflict? Because it comes from a book called Peacemaker. So they're trying to um, parse out why it is that your idols are causing you to sin toward other people. Um, and you are sinning toward other people when you use pornography. Um, but let's think about sexual immorality in general then. Because I'm uh, no fool. I've been here long enough to know that people get involved in other kinds of sexual sin, not just porn usage. Uh, with other people and 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 so asking these questions of uh, related to these conflicts can help you under uh, uncover your idols that may be related to your sexual immorality but really your, your chief question uh, what is it that you're willing to sin to get <clears throat> um, what is it that you're worshiping what are you so devoted to what is it that you feel? What is it you're thinking about when you're tempted to use pornography? Attack it before. The, what, what is it that you're dwelling on before you're tempted, right before? Figure that out because that's what's opening this doorway. That temptation is just striding through and then you give it a big old hug and bite it in and have it sit on the couch and to, you know, uh, just post up in your heart. So identify the heart condition. Once you figure out what the idol is, devote it to utter destruction. 
say, uh, uh, a way that God describes it in the Old Testament repeatedly. Uh, that there's a shorthand way that it's said often, but the, the longer version is said that the Lord is committed to devoting things to utter destruction. And most often when that is used in the Old Testament, it's talking about idols. So how do you devote your idol to utter destruction? Well, once you figure it out, that's a, that's a different topic for a different day. There's so many different kinds of things that we worship uh, that we devote ourselves to. <clears throat> so the specifics may look different, but the generality is going to be the same, and that's this. Devote yourself to God. How do you put idols to death? You worship what you're supposed to. Remember the gospel and remember it constantly. Uh, as it is said sometimes, preach it to yourself. Don't wait for Sunday. If Sunday is the only day you hear the gospel, then of course you're going to chase after the other desires of your heart that are not God. Look to Christ. See him clearly in the word. That means you have to read the Bible. Or at least know it well enough to be able to think about what it says throughout the day. Pray to that same Christ. Look to him. Pray to him. Seek God's help before you're tempted. Not after the sin has been committed. Though, obviously, well, please do. After, uh, if you fail, if you fall, pray. Certainly. Um, but be proactive about it. Uh, look to Christ, pray to Christ, and fight for joy in Christ. If your idol is pleasure, the Bible says that at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. That it was for the joy that was set before him that Christ marched down the way of death to suffer and die on the cross. In the book of Hebrews, it says that. There is great joy to be had in God. And that joy outstrips any kind of pleasure that you can find in this life. I believe C.S. Lewis is the one who put it this way. Um, you may be familiar with him, wrote Narnia, uh, and a lot of other books that are pretty good, um, that if I find in myself that there's nothing in this world that, that satisfies me, then it means that I was made for another one. Um, or another thing I believe is a quote from him, that uh, I, I'm not going to do it justice. I'll wait on that one. Look it up. Actually, uh, let me ask my wife. She's my C.S. Lewis encyclopedia. Oh? Uh, what's the, the holiday at sea quote? Uh, it's from Surprise by Joy. Great. Perfect. Yeah, he basically is saying that we are trading a, a holiday at sea for playing in the mud. There it is. Uh, oh, that is an ebook. I just want the quote. Nope, that doesn't help me. One moment. A little bit of a stutter step here because I tried to quote off the top of my head. Uh, 
There it is. I found it. Uh, he says, our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So his point there is that, is that the thing that you're getting when you sin, the reason you feel awful afterwards is because the, you were trying to fill something up that that thing was not designed to fill and is not capable of filling. You were trying to satisfy a desire that is God-sized. And so, of course, you feel empty and half-hearted and down because it, it, didn't, it didn't do it. The idol cannot succeed in satisfying your desires. Worship of idols will not satisfy the human heart because it was made to worship an immense, infinite, uncreated, glorious creator of all things, made all things by speaking into existence. The world itself sings his praises. This God is so massive that, of course, nothing in creation can satisfy us. Nothing can satisfy us. So, uh, devote yourself to God. Remember the gospel. Look to Christ. When you fail, when you sin, which is every day, but when you fall into this particular sin, look to Christ. Wallowing in self-pity is only going to exacerbate the thing that you're worshiping, which at bottom is likely just yourself. More than likely, the idol at the bottom of your sin is a worship of self. It is a desire to please the self over the love that we're supposed to have for God and for neighbor that is ultimately giving of self. Rather, you're seeking to take for yourself. So look to Christ, who is the ultimate giver. Uh, and, and we worship the giver and not the gift. Uh, when you find yourself seeking what, what are good things, sex is not bad when it is done the way that God has designed it to be done. It is a good and glorious thing that is a picture of the union between Christ and his people. That is its design, is to actually preach the gospel. And so when you exchange that truth for a counterfeit sexual activity, you are engaging in a, a lie about God and the gospel. That's not the way that things are supposed to be. And so you feel hollow and empty and guilty. Of course you do. That's why this sin is so serious. That's why Paul takes it so seriously and Jesus takes it so seriously. But you must look to Christ. You must look to your forgiving Savior. Seek his aid. He says, come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, book of Hebrews says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because it is Christ who intercedes for us as our great high priest. He is the mediator between you and God. He stands in the gap and intercedes for you. 
and it's his life and death that cover your sins, including the ones that you haven't committed yet. Look to him as your all-sufficient, satisfying Savior. Devote yourself to God. I mean, I could keep going on the subject. There's so much more to be said, and we will talk about things like that in, in the future. But um, I, I can't be your pastor, so we're going to get into more practical things Boots on the ground. What do I do right now? Uh, I get it, Josh. Devote myself to God. Okay. So, so what does that look like right now? Well, step four. Take radical measures to eliminate the symptom of your heart. So even though we've acknowledged that uh, this is a symptom of idolatry, it is still sinful. It is still besetting. It is still awful. And you need to get rid of it. It is doing damage to your soul and your body, as we've seen in some interesting studies that exist. Um, and, and, and it will haunt you. Get rid of it. Cut it off. So the first thing, remove access. Remove access. I'm going to say it again. Remove access. If pornography is your problem, if a person's your problem, remove access. If it's your uh, significant other that you're sinning with, break up. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, it is not worth it. And devote yourself to God. It's not worth it. If you're married, then it's not sinful. <laughs> So there's that. Um, yeah, pornography is sinful within marriage. Let me clarify. Um, I'll, I'll get to that actually, PDM, because that, that is a common thing. Um, so I'll get there. Um, remove access. There's multiple ways to do this, and some people require more extreme measures than others. For some, a password is sufficient. A password that, that they don't have access to, someone else does, and someone else within their home, if they have roommates, if you have parents that you live with, you have them, they have a password for your devices, and in order for you to access it, they have to put it in for you. Um, for some, that's sufficient. For others, they need more radical steps. Uh, and, and, and you'll know pretty quickly what steps you need to take. Um, but you must not have free and unlimited access to it. That is just, you, you're playing with fire, literally. You're just have hellfire burning in front of your face. And you're like, I just want to touch it a little bit. Let me just, let me just get a little bit of that. Ooh, that hurt. That hurt. I'm going to do it again. Oh, it's a week from now. I'm going to do it again. That, that's what you're doing. <laughs> um, run away from the fire. Flee from it. Remove access. Step two, get accountable and stay that way. 
this is probably the hardest one. Uh, you need someone in your life uh, to hold you accountable to your desire to quit. That means you're going to have to tell somebody about it that you know personally in real life. That's hard. It is not easy to do. There's lots of shame involved with this kind of sin. There's lots of guilt involved. Look to Christ. If this person that you go to, they, they should be safe in the sense that they understand the gospel. They're a Christian. They need to be of the same gender as you. Uh, don't, don't make your girlfriend, your accountability partner. That ain't going to go well. Uh, and even if you're married, your spouse needs to know that you struggle with pornography, but they don't need to be your accountability partner. Uh, that is a weight that they're not going to be able to carry because this affects them in a lot of different ways that someone who's standing outside of it, you're sinning against them when you use pornography, when you're married. You're not sinning against your pastor church. Um, not directly anyway. So, uh, you need accountability. They need to be someone who is strong in the faith, who is not struggling with this sin. That's important. I used to be in accountability circles in college where it was everybody was struggling with the same exact sin, which meant nobody was moving anywhere. Every week was a pity party. We all got together and talked about how we failed. It was awful. Don't do that. <laughs> Find someone who's more mature in the faith. Uh, in order to do that, you're probably going to need to be going to church somewhere that has solid believers in it. So there's that. Um, that's why we talk about things like church government membership and all that stuff all the time, because it's important for this kind of thing. Fight sin together. So find yourself accountability and then stay with it. This is something that, uh, they need to be someone who's trustworthy and who's going to pursue you, but also you have to pursue the accountability with them. It's a two-way street. You can't put the burden of curing the sin on them. They're not the Holy Spirit. They can't be him for you. Um, they are there to help you and a means of God's grace to you, but they're not able to pull you out of the sin. They're to help you, pick you up when you fall, remind you of the gospel. Uh, and to hold you accountable to pursuing a life of holiness in every area of life. So tell them about your plans to devote yourself to God as well and have them hold, account hold you accountable to that. Not just, hey, man, you messed up this week? Oh, no? All right, good. No, I, I, more than that, hey, um, have you been pursuing God in his word and prayer? Um, those kinds of things also need to be part of the accountability process. Because that's, those are the means by which you're fighting the sin. If those are absent, the sin is probably going to move back in. Or it's going to take a new form. So remember, it's idolatry at bottom. Third thing, remove access. You actually don't need it. So this is, hey, passwords didn't work. Uh, it, it just didn't work. Web filter didn't work. I, I found a way around it. It's real easy to get around it. I found another means. Okay, at that point, this is this is serious. This is a besetting sin. This is something that you need to take eye-gouging, hand-chopping action with. Get 
rid of your access. Whatever the point of access is, you don't actually need it. Exactly. That's it's, uh, definitely that's what I imagine. Uh, do uh, yeah, seriously. Um, if that means you don't have access to your computer, that's what you do. If it means that you get a flip phone, uh, some of you might not even know what that is, <laughs> or didn't grow up with one anyway. Uh, you, you get a flip phone. You can call and text with that. Um, if it means uh, that. <laughs> well, not the new kind of flip phone. Uh, the ye oldie kind. It calls, it texts, it has a it has no internet access. That's the one I'm talking about. Um, yeah, <laughs> get yourself a brick phone. There you go. Uh, seriously, um, I, I knew a pastor. He was a counseling pastor at a church I interned at. And he kept in his desk about 25 or so pay-as-you-go flip phones. And when people would come in and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with pornography, the first thing he would say to them before he said anything else was, hand me your phone. He would put their phone in his desk, pull out one of the flip phones, hand it to him, and say, this is your new number. This is your new phone. It just, it just, it's like, and that would be, that's how he would test and see, are they seriously committed to repentance of this sin? Are they willing to chop a hand off? Which really, it's not chopping a hand off. That's not that extreme. People live without these things for a long time. And even having the flip phone is still a grand luxury in terms of communication. So consider that. Uh, get rid of the phone. Get rid of the if you have to get rid of the computer, get rid of the computer. The, the, whatever, I'm not going to list all the possible points of access because if you haven't discovered all of them, I don't want to give you <laughs> ideas. Um, get rid of it. Whatever you're using, get rid of it. You don't actually need it. If you're using something at work, uh, I knew a situation at a church I was at where... Um, one of the elders was caught at work using pornography. He lost his job. Uh, thankfully, he was repentant in the aftermath of getting caught, and they began the process of restoration for him just to his family, uh, to his wife, and counseling him through it. But he lost his eldership, lost his job. Um because he was so desperate to access, he, he used that at work. If, if that's a problem for you at work, then that is a different kind of matter. You may need to look for another job. Remember how serious this is. That might sound crazy. Remember how serious this is. Remember how serious the words of Jesus are and the words of Paul. Anyone who disregards that God is commanding them to pursue sanctification in this area is disregarding not men, but God. Um, if you work from a computer at home and that's how you make a living, then that's an area where, again, you can get different kinds of accountability. There's software, there's passwords. Uh, you, you can set it up. Uh, you, you can set up your internet where your internet is disconnected from the device, but your internet disallows access. There's ways to do that. Um, if you don't know how to do it, 
we can talk. I know lots of smart people who could help us figure it out. I actually don't know myself, but I know somebody who's done it. There's ways to do it. Um, and you can set it up where, where, where it's, unless you're a, a you know, professional hacker, bro, you're not going to get around it. Uh, that's possible. You can do it. And it's good to do that. Remove access. You don't need it. You actually don't. Third thing. Uh, sorry, fourth thing. No, it's the third thing because remove access is a repeat because I'm going to repeat it a couple of times. Uh, third thing. Uh, third. Yes, third. <laughs> I don't, I can't count. Uh, pick up some responsibility. Pick up some responsibility. One of the, the idol that may be afflicting you may be laziness and boredom. Life is boring, and so I need to do this thing. It is what you tell yourself. You don't really need to. But I, I need to do this thing because this is the only time in my life where I can get a high of some kind. If you're a man, God made you to pick up responsibility and carry it. That's what he designed you to do. A lot of it. You can handle more than you think. Pick up some responsibility. Now, if it's because you have too much and this is how you relieve stress, that's a different idol where you think that you need this stress reliever or whatever it is. And that's what you go to to relax, to relieve your stress. That's a different idol. But if your idol is laziness and boredom, for a lot of younger guys, that's what it is because they don't have responsibilities and they find themselves committing sexual sin. They can't seem to break it until they get a job and get married and suddenly it's a lot easier. That's because it wasn't lust and pleasure. It was they were bored and were sinfully bored because they weren't being obedient to the clear commands of God already. Uh, find some responsibility and pick it up. Volunteer with your church. You know, find uh, or ask them if there's volunteer opportunities. If, if you don't have things, I know with Corona, lots of folks don't have things to do and they can't do anything. Um, but that's not going to last forever. So uh, if it's afflicting you, especially hard now because of the quarantine, then the other steps are just more important to follow at that point. Which brings us to uh, the next one: remove access. Again, uh, if you find yourself finding ways to do it, so you, you, have, you have thrown your computer away, you've thrown your phone away, you've cut your internet completely off, and you still find yourself sinning sexually. Remove access. What is your access point at that juncture? Whatever it is. You've got to cut it off. However it is that you're accessing pornography at that point, cut it off. Cut it off. Uh, don't cut off your hand. Don't gouge out your eye. That's not what Jesus meant. And a um, uh, former pastor I had used to tell the story of a man who actually did that and then found himself still sinning sexually. So there's that. Um, so seriously, don't do it. <laughs> uh, it is a hard issue. Cut off access. You don't need it. You will survive. You will survive. 
it will be okay. Uh, yes, it does. Any sexual activity outside of a covenantal marital relationship with someone of the opposite sex is sinful and is considered sexual immorality. I'm focusing on porn usage. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, PDM. All right. Lastly, get discipled. Get discipled. Uh, ongoing, consistent discipleship relationships are vital to the Christian life in general and something that you should be involved with. This is part and parcel of devoting yourself to God, picking up some responsibility. Get discipled. Find someone more mature in the faith. It could be the accountability partner you found earlier. And, hey, can we just study the Bible together every week? Can we get, get together, study the Bible, and pray just once a week? And, and, and have them, because maybe they are more mature in the faith, but they've never really done any kind of one-on-one -on -one discipleship before. It's that simple, really. Just get together, read the Bible, pray together, and, and, and move forward with that, and you will find great spiritual benefit to it. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee it, unless you end up finding some kind of heretic or some kind of crazy person who's teaching you crazy things. But uh, built into the qualifications was mature Christian who is intent on looking out for you in this way. Um, get discipled. So going back through all that, remove access. You don't need it. Get accountable and stay that way. Because accountability is not just for this sin, but you, you're going to sin in other ways. You'll be shocked when you, if this has been a besetting sin in your life, and I know for a lot of guys it is, for girls it is, more and more we're seeing that. Um, you'll be shocked when you finally break free of it and you feel like you can breathe again, how many other sins were building in the background that you didn't even realize you were sinning that way because you're so focused on killing this one. Um, you need accountability your entire life. You need people who will uh, come to you and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, uh, you're sinning in this way. God hates sin. Christ has saved you from that sin to devote yourself to God. Remember the gospel. Look to Christ. Fight for joy. All these things. You need somebody in your life who will do that. We all do. Uh, the Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's not meant to be lived alone. Uh, God gives us the church, the body of Christ, for that exact reason. Get accountable and stay that way. Remove access. Don't really need it. Pick up some responsibility. Find ways in which to devote yourself to God on a consistent, frequent basis. Live the Christian life in every area of your life. Don't compartmentalize your life, especially if you find yourself sitting in this way at night, middle of the night. It's often because what was the last thing you were doing before you went to bed? What were you thinking about? What were you dwelling on? Where was your heart at? All those things matter. Trace the sin back to the heart idol. Find it. Kill it. Remove access. You'll survive. Get discipled. And lastly, remove access. Seriously, that's the number one thing when I've discipled people on this issue in the past is they were unwilling 
to remove access or found new modes of access and didn't inform me, who was their accountability partner, about it. It's the number one reason why people fall back into the sin is they are not willing to remove access. That I've seen anyway. It's anecdotal, but there you go. All right, and finally, not to... Uh, in this um, on a, here's a list of things to do note. Remember, the most important step out of all is step three, devote yourself to God, remember the gospel, look to Christ, pray to Christ, fight for joy in Christ. As Christ looms larger in your vision, porn becomes smaller and smaller. The desires will fade as you direct them to the place they were designed to go which is toward God. Finally, um, this is a, a, a reminder. The doxology from Jude, uh, Justin, you, you know this one well because you hear it probably once a week. Um, it, it's a wonderful way that Jude ends his epistle. Uh, and it's a great reminder of, of the power of God he can conquer your sin. He has, in Christ on the cross, conquered your sin, given you his Holy Spirit to dwell with you and to empower you to fight the sin that you've been freed from, enslavement to. Given of these sins. Here's how this goes. Doxology of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, he is able to keep you from stumbling into whatever sin. He is able to do it. And to present you blameless for the presence of his glory with great joy. That, that when Christ presents you to the Father as a trophy of his grace, he will do so with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That is your Savior. Look to him. Glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. All of these are his. He had them before all time, and he has them now, and he will forever.